politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight once again for our life, liberty, property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at CR Podcast, Blaze Media. It is Friday already. Where has the week gone? We have so much left. You know, one of these days, I'm going to have to start kind of like Russia's uh, stack of stuff. There's so many things we've left on the table and I want to balance having great guests and just information. So we're going to have Ezra Levant, the uh, founder of Rebel Media, Rebel News in Canada, the most plugged-in man to Canadian politics on the right there, giving us an up-to-date analysis of what is going on there on the ground, why we should care about it here in America. So we'll have him coming up soon. And then, look, last night we had the robbing of our freedom by Senate Republicans. What did I tell you yesterday? If you didn't hear yesterday's show, go back and listen to that first. Because it's hard for people to grasp. How could Republicans be worse? It's got to be a little bit better, right? And I said politics is an art. It's not a science. Like, okay, you know, this degree of conservatism is better than this. It's an amalgamation of different factors. And I tried to explain as best as I could yesterday how they're even worse. And they illustrated it last night I'm going to go through that with you, how they voted for the budget bill to fund all of the illegal mandates, like telling all the executive agencies, yes, thank you. You could thwart Congress, thwart the legislative authority, violate human rights, govern our breathing, govern our bodies, jobs, everything unilaterally. And here we're going to fund you everything and not have a budget fight over defunding that. That is what happened yesterday, but it's more the way they did it, which demonstrates How much Republicans hate you. They hate you just as much as Democrats. So we'll get into that briefly before we bring on Ezra Levant. Um, First sponsor today, we have a brand new sponsor. Really excited about this. I'm really into camping. I love the outdoors. And also, I think a lot of us have gotten more into survival. (laughs) Uh, These people were ahead of their time. Battlebox. Okay, that's B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X no e at the end of battle they make really the the best name name brands highest quality products every month at half the price they send to you in a box um so what they'll do is they don't make it but they send a box with a monthly subscription so and you could cancel any time of hand picked outdoor survival camping gear you could pick your box um it's products from Aquapod emergency water kits to atomic uh, bear survival bivvies. They have um, great outdoor stoves, knives. Um, I love their flashlights. I actually just used them on our trip, but we didn't go camping. But we used uh, we used this stuff anyway. We're out in the woods in a in a cabin, and my kids love this stuff too. It is these are like adult toys. They're they're just terrific. Um, Find out why outdoor enthusiasts call BattleBox the best gear I never knew I wanted. You can sign up, receive, survive. What are you waiting for? Here's the deal. If you go to BattleBox, no, try BattleBox. That's trybattlebox.com slash conservative. And you sign up for a monthly subscription. From now until March 31st, you get a free mystery box. So a free worth 115 bucks 
with any new subscri- subscription. Again, that's Battle Box B A T T L without the E box.com slash conservative for a hundred fifteen dollar mystery box free with your subscription to their monthly boxes. Okay, so folks, by now a lot of you have heard obviously Republicans voted to fund the government. We all knew they would do it, but it was the way they did it, the perfidy. Um my buddy Steve Dace always says Democrats inspire their base to get what they want while Republicans conspire against their base to get what they want. And what happened here was Democrats needed something and Republicans needed something. Democrats needed to get Biden's funding bill. Technically, Republicans do have more than 41 seats. They have 50, so they could filibuster it, okay, even though they don't have the, the, the majority. On the other hand, Republicans needed something too. They needed to they also wanted to pass the bill. They certainly agree with it, but they needed to give the veneer to their base that they're fighting. They they needed to show them something. I've experienced this throughout my career so many times. I've watched this closely what goes on. And they actually work together. In this case, it's Schumer and McConnell, the respective majority minority leaders. They work together. They laugh it, laugh about it. Schumer knows that McConnell needs to throw his base and maybe like the ten most conservative members a bone and give them something. So what they did is they wanted to give them a fake vote, but they had a problem because how do you give them a real up or down vote without the risk of it passing? Right. So the problem is Democrats, it's a 50-50 Senate. Democrats don't really technically have a majority. Now, because the VP is a Democrat, so it breaks the tie. So they control the committees, they control the process, they control the floor management. Um, but at the end of the day, it's very tenuous. So right, right now, a few members were out in both parties. We'll talk about that. But at a minimum, at a minimum, uh, Ben Lusion. Uh, the Democrat from Arizona has been out because he suffered a stroke, which is kind of funny that young to suffer a stroke. It's kind of interesting right after he got his booster, but whatever, put the, putting that aside. Um, so he's out. So that's so if anything, that's 50-49 Republican, right? The, the VP has no bearings on that. That's only if it's 50-50. So technically, they don't have a majority. So here's the process. You need 60 votes to get on the bill. Cloture a cloture vote, to proceed to debate. If you ultimately want to pass, you have to get past that 60-vote barrier. So even when Democrats have the, have the tenuous majority, they don't have 60 votes. They need Republicans to get the bill passed. That is your leverage. We are going to have a knockdown, drag-out fight. We are not going to supply the 60 votes until you get rid of the mandates. That's, that's the leverage that a party that represents the people would have used. But, of course, they never wanted to do that. They absolutely wanted to pass it with the mandates, but they had to give the veneer they're opposing the mandates. But, again, so they needed an up or down vote on, you know, to, to strip the funding for, for the mandates. But how do you ensure that it doesn't pass, right? Because, technically... If they have 50 members there 
and there's 49 Dems, well, it's going to pass. So what they did was this. Lindsey Graham was in Israel. Why he was there, I don't know. More important things to do. And Democrats had two other members out, so a total of three. So they were down to 47. Republicans conspired with Chuck Schumer to have three of them go home. Mitt Romney went home. Richard Burr of North Carolina went home. And James Inhofe went home. So just enough. Notice now there's 47 Dems and 46 Republicans. So Schumer was able to agree. See, normally you would need a 60-vote threshold for even the for each amendment, but they agreed unanimous consent. Schumer was like, I'll give you an up or down, simple win winner vote, right? Majority, even plurality, right? Even a plur- plurality would have won. Okay? So had all the Republicans been there, they would have had 50 votes. Democrats only had 47 in the chamber. They they could have won all these votes. But Schumer would have never agreed to drop the 60-vote threshold. So Schumer's like, that's totally fine. And guess what? They voted on the Mike Lee Amendment to defund the mandates. The Cruz Amendment was specifically vaccinating children in school. And they voted 47-46 against it. So every single Republican got to say, oh, I voted against the mandates. I voted against the mandates. But here's the dirty little secret. They knew about this game, they participated in it, and they agreed to give away their leverage on cloture, knowing that they wouldn't have the votes once they proceeded to the amendment. 17 Republicans voted for cloture. And ultimately, after the amendment was defeated, so you say, oh, you defeat my amendment, then I'm going to block your bill. Okay, fine, you defeat my amendment, I'm going to block your bill. Two more joined, and ultimately 19 Republicans. Okay, 19 out of 50 voted for the funding bill. And you know what? It would have been a lot more if they needed more votes. The reality is only like eight signed on to the defund effort anyway. So most of the rest are frauds. My point is the party is irremediably broken. Everything they do is a fake fight. And Democrats actually help them because they know that the problem they have is this. The globalists have two arms. Like I said, plan A, plan B. They're both two heads of the same snake, except that the people are not. The people are divided legitimately. So the de- Democrats, certainly, you know, the, the normal people aren't going to join them. So they have nowhere to go. So the Republicans get all their power from those people. So they have to, Democrats understand that and they allow them to fight the issues that don't matter in, at the time they don't matter and in the way they don't matter. They'll have show votes. And now all these Republicans are like, hey, look, we defunded. You look at these members. Okay, you look at these members. Rubio, Haggerty from Tennessee, deep red states. Rounds from South Dakota, Capito from West Virginia, Moran from Kansas, Shelby from Alabama, Cassie from Louisiana, Murkowski from Alaska, Tillis from North Carolina, Cornyn from Texas, Portman from Ohio, Wicker from Mississippi, Blunt from Missouri, Collins from Maine. Okay, that's not a red state, but Hyde Smith from Mississippi, Kennedy from Louisiana, McConnell, of course, the majority, the minority leader from Kentucky, Barrasso from Wyoming, Rounds from South Dakota, all voted for final passage. Deep red states. It's all a fraud. You tell me how we will ever succeed with a party like this. Now, look. 
obviously we fight on. The extension is only three weeks until March 11th. March 11th is an auspicious time because it's two days before March 13th. What's March 13th? That is the deadline for renewal of the original emergency order. Trump's original declaration of emergency was March 13th, 2020. It comes due. That is the perfect time to have a trucker convoy and do what they're doing in Canada and have a knockdown drag out fight that we will defeat every single Republican that doesn't supply the 41 votes needed to block the next bill. It won't be a CR. It will be an omnibus to fund the rest of the fiscal year until the mandates are done. That needs to be our fight. Now, in order to do that, we have to understand what is going wrong and right in the Ottawa fight. Our guest segment today is sponsored by ZStack. Folks, I just took my ZStack this morning. It's Vladimir Zelenko, Dr. Zelenko's uh, formulation, all in one pill, four things, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, the right doses of each for prophylaxis, don't wait until you get sick because then you need different dosage. This is prophylaxis. Take it regularly. It's good for you for 50 million other things and for everything else they're throwing at us. GMP certified, made right here in the USA. Now more than ever, you have to take control of your health and your family's health. Go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel. Enter promo code Daniel for a small discount on your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel. And as I've mentioned before, it's very hard for any of us to get excited about foreign policy. You know, I've really stopped caring about it. I used to write about it a lot, talk about it a lot. But the reality is, how could we care about something like Ukraine when we have authoritarianism taking place here in Western democracies that really is supplanting the degree of human rights violations that we even see in some of the typical violators? such as China. What is going on here? But there is one foreign piece of news that I want to talk about because it has bearings on us right now. What's going on in Ottawa, what's going on in Canada, it's not just the fact that we share a border, we share heritage, we share a history and language, but we share the same battle. What is happening in Canada will happen here. Uh, it's already happening. They're just one step ahead we talked about this almost two years ago. The minute government could say you're a public health threat and we could do anything we want up until and including in your body, on your breathing holes, you cannot walk without us covering your mouth and nose. We criminalize human breath, human existence. Blackstone's basic definition of individual liberty Truth be told, there's quite literally nothing they cannot do to you. It's not much of a jump or a jump really at all. They can control your body to say, well, you don't have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of assembly. Um, we could search and seize anything we want without due process. You're a public health threat, a security threat. Remember, the Fourth Amendment does say illegal search and seizure before papers and houses is the right to be secure in your person. And we don't have that anymore. So we don't have the rest of that amendment and whatever equivalent we have in Canada. But what is going on the ground? What is going on there? How bad is it? What can we learn about it here? With us today is probably the person most suited to discuss this, Ezra Levant. He's essentially the opposition leader in Canada. He uh, started Rebel News in 2015, really the best source of alternative news to the mainstream media. He's the only voice of ordinary citizens in Canada. You could follow him at Ezra Levant. 
on Twitter, as well as at Rebel News Online. Ezra, thanks so much for joining us on this very busy day. My pleasure. All righty. So I want to just start in the here and now and then reverse engineer it to see how we got here and what we could learn. Is it really as bad as it's perceived in America? We're hearing um, them seizing bank accounts, outing uh, donors, arresting people for nothing more than just simply being on the street. Is this really happening indeed, or is it just a paper tiger? No, it's really happening. Um, uh, In real time, literally, as I'm talking with you, the Ottawa police have declared uh, the parliamentary precinct, that would be like all of Capitol Hill, a closed zone. Uh, That includes to members of parliament. So there is an emergency act that has been activated for the first time in Canadian history. This emergencies act was not activated during 9-11 was not activated in 2014 when an ISIS terrorist stormed our parliament, but some peaceful truckers who were honking their horns, that's activated it. The Emergencies Act requires debate in parliament, but police have sent MPs home saying it's, quote, for their own safety. So parliament has been suspended by the police. It's supposed to go the other way around. Police are supposed to work for parliament. but not in Canada now, they have arrested peaceful protesters starting last night. Earlier this week, they seized bank accounts without a search warrant, without any court process at all. And just moments ago, they have announced that any reporters who go into this exclusion zone will be arrested as well. Even though they're not protesters, they're reporters covering police brutality. Police have said, yeah, about that. We're not going to let you see that. And if you try and get in this zone, the zone basically being our nation's capital. And I say again that all of this is in reply to a three-week peaceful trucker convoy that has not had one single act of violence, either against people or against property. It's simply a peaceful dissent to Trudeau's lockdowns. I don't know if Justin Trudeau is actually Fidel Castro's son. That's a popular conspiracy theory based on the fact that Trudeau's mother and Fidel Castro were very touchy-feely friends um, and based on the similarity in how they look. I'm not going to be conclusive about that, but I'll say it is conclusive that Trudeau treats Fidel Castro, like Fidel Castro, as a father figure as a role model, as the affair, the authoritarian banana republic dictator that he wants to be. So this was the firewall that I certainly the American Constitution was built upon, but really all modern Western democracies that uh, a government can't unilaterally declare an emergency, say you're a threat and suspend due process, uh, basic human rights. But that's what's happening I want to get a sense of what your feeling is about the police. One of the things I found on our side of the border is they stood by idly during the BLM protests, which were more like riots. They looted, they burned, they beat. Um, and and rather than doing anything about it, if someone would run into their checkpoints, so they would set up an illegal checkpoint and someone would kind of run through it, they, they would get punished. And then now suddenly the police seem to be pretty active I know, for one, I've certainly spilled a lot of ink over the years uh, 
promoting law enforcement. But I'm starting to wonder if that's a double-edged sword that's working against us. Are you getting that same sense in Canada? Well, I mean, most police uh, went to the police academy to catch bad guys and uphold the law. Uh, In the last two years, they have not been dispatched against bad guys. They've been dispatched to enforce bizarre, absurd, unscientific, and ever-changing political health orders about masks and six feet of separation and, you know, you have 10 people in your church instead of five people, and you have 20 people at your funeral instead of 10 people. That's not what police were meant to do. And over the last two years of the lockdowns, and they were very harsh up here, the worst in the free world with the possible exception of Australia. For example, the province of Quebec had curfews from 10 p.m. till 5 a.m. Whether you were vaxxed or not, you were forbidden from going out on the street including to walk your dog, by the way. So for, quote, public health reasons, your dog had to go to the bathroom in your own house. I wish I were making that up. So uh, for two years, any police who had qualms about being health Nazis, they would have either retired, been reassigned, or fired, or just left the force in some way, uh, or trained to be brutal political enforcers. So here we are two years down the road and police are used to being bullies now and those that aren't have have left the force. And so you see an authoritarian police force that is right now cracking down on peaceful protesters and journalists covering them. And it's worth remembering that the Nazis in Germany, they were not some genetic mutation. They are not, they're not different from us. In fact, if anything, they were probably more, a more Christian country than we are, a, probably a more cultured country than we are. So um, if Germany could go from really the most cultured country in Europe in 1933 to 1939, a war and, and the Holocaust, and where police and soldiers just said, well, I was following orders, where doctors did diabolical experiments saying I was just following orders where the media cheered things on, where there was total conformity. Why do we think we're different? Are we, are we genetically different? Are we, are we morally better than the people who were corrupted in Nazi Germany? No. And so I'm not saying we're going full Holocaust up here. That would be absurd to say at this point, but we've had our Reichstag fire, uh, the truckers we've had, the seizure of bank accounts. We've had emergency measures. We've had police uh, smashing Trudeau's enemies and seizing their bank accounts. So, yeah, it's not 1939 here in Canada. It's about 1935, I'd say, in terms of the Nuremberg laws. You might know that in 1935 in Germany, they brought in some laws called the Nuremberg laws. That, that basically segregated society. Back then it was based on who was a Jew and who wasn't. They said Jews were unclean. In Canada, you're not allowed to board an airplane if you're unvaccinated. You're not allowed to board a train if you're unvaccinated. You're not allowed into the public square. This is in the second largest country in the world. You're not allowed to fly. So I'd say we're a couple years down the road, uh, not all the way down the road, and Trudeau in the last week has taken us a lot further down the road. 
And and your point is you don't want to get there. And and I love what you're you're saying is that this didn't happen in a vacuum where police are doing this. This is the most spectacular imagery we're seeing because a lot of people in one area, but it has subtly individually been going on for two years. Um, our very own John Adams said, "Nip the shoots of arbitrary power in the bud is the only maxim which can ever preserve the liberties of any people." And that's the thing. We didn't. We allowed it to go on. It went on and on and on. So it's not even a jump for them to do this now. They had two years worth of it. Back in the 1930s, they didn't have social media, modern communications, where they could constantly brainwash people with a blood libel, um, you know, with with that degree of saturation that you certainly didn't have. So that's certainly a big uh, concern. The question I'm going to ask you is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We have the protesters. We have Trudeau's regime. Where are the people, you know, the media out there in Canada, what we're seeing is all, you know, uh, two thirds of them support Trudeau. They think these guys are a menace. What are you sensing from the people? Is there has there been a turning point over the last two years? Well, there's a real, real divide in the media. You have the state broadcaster up here called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation or the CBC. It's owned by the government. It is larger than all private news media combined. So it is the dominant voice. That's not enough for Trudeau. So what media he doesn't own, he rents. Uh, 99% of Canadian media take an annual bailout from Trudeau. Um, And that's actually even better for him than it being outright owned by him because then they have the pretense of independence, whereas they're just as compromised as the media he owns. My little company, Rebel News, is one of maybe five news companies in Canada that aren't on Trudeau's payroll. So um, I should bring to your attention that two weeks ago he introduced his new Internet censorship law. And obviously he's coming for us. Um, He's coming for any of his critics. Uh, You would think that with 99 percent of the media in his pocket, that would be enough for him. But even if there's just one guy out there telling the other side of the story, that's enough for people to rally around and say, oh, good, I thought it was just me. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ash conformity test um, in the 1960s, where it's a, it's a wonderful psychological test. It was uh, related in some ways to the Milgram experiments to test. Milgram tested, would you inflict pain on another human being? if you were told it was okay to do so by an authority figure in a white coat. You probably have seen videos of that. Someone who inflicts an electrical shock on someone for getting very simple questions wrong. And there was an actor screaming in pain. He was faking it, but the the person who didn't know that was the person inflicting uh, the voltage. And And the test was how far would people go if someone said, it's okay, you're just following orders. There was another experiment called the ash conformity test. And what that did is there were five people sitting in a row and they were asked to say, well, which uh, here's three lines of different lengths. I'm going to show you another line. You tell me um, which one is the same length. So like a child's test. So like, here's three lines of different lengths. Okay. Here's line number four. Is it the same as one, two or three? Like it it really isn't a test a child could take. Of the five people taking the test, four of them were in on it. Only one was, quote, naive. And most of the time, everyone gave the right answer. But every once in a while, 
the four people who were in on it all gave the same wrong answer together. They would say a big line was actually a medium line. And the one naive person in this experiment would say, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? That's a, that's a long line, not a medium line. But 37% of the time, against, according to Professor Ash, they would go along with what the others said just to conform because they didn't want to seem crazy. And 37% of the time they would either convince themselves what their eyes were seeing were wrong or say, uh, I'm just not willing to be an outsider. I'm going to say what the others say. Now, here's a, here's a heartening fact. If just one other person in the room said, no, 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 that's a medium line, not a long line or whatever, then conformity fell to 5%. So you have just one other person in the world saying the truth and, and you found your courage. And that's my point. In Canada, the truckers were the ash conformity test. We saw, oh good, I thought I was the only one who thought this was crazy. There's 100,000 truckers who think it's crazy. I thought I was all alone. Now I'm not. And the same thing with our media. All it takes is one independent media voice to say, no, 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 no. The rest of the media lying to you. That's not how it's going. And so that's why Trudeau wants to stamp out these truckers and wants to stamp out independent journalism. He needs to get rid of that last truth teller so that he can gaslight the citizens. So do you sense you're at that inflection point where the mass psychosis formation among the public has fallen, or are you still in the process? Because what I would say on our side of the border, I, I mean, we were all very down on the people, like you're saying, um, the ash conformity test. This is what we were seeing everywhere. But it has noticeably changed the last few months, and I would say we have probably a super majority in most parts of the country dead set against this. But the problem we have is that we don't have political representation that reflects that. So my my next question to you is, I, I know nothing about Canadian politics, but I know you know a lot more about American politics than I do about Canada. Are the conservatives in parliament, the conservative party, are they about the same, even more feckless or better than the Republican Party? Well, um, the first political casualty of the truckers was the leader of Canada's conservative party, which is the official opposition. He was such a coward that he refused to endorse the truckers or even meet with them. He has been completely in lockstep with Justin Trudeau the whole time on, on lockdowns. And when the truckers rolled into town and his grassroots MP said, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm going out to meet these truckers. He was defenestrated. He was fired as the party leader with a shock voting caucus. So um, now that he's out of the way, hopefully the party will choose some with a bit of, bit of courage. But for the last two years, there has not been a single government in Canada or opposition leader at the federal or, or provincial level that's opposed to lockdown. So there's been no Ron DeSantis wow. up here. There's been no Texas, Florida, South Dakota, every single government, every single opposition, all in unison, along with all the media I've described. So, so you're saying all like the, Saskatchewan and, and Alberta were just as bad as everywhere else? That's right. Until the last three weeks, 
it's only been in the last three weeks that the truckers um, have changed everything. The truckers have done more for Canadian freedom in the last three weeks than any other force, including conservative politicians have since the, uh, the pandemic began. And it's unorganized. It's not funded by any super PAC. It was not endorsed by any political party. It was truly an organic grassroots movement, which is why it's so, quote, dangerous to the establishment. They can't control it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Trudeau is cracking down. There's no police reason to crack down. There's not been a single act of violence in three weeks from these truckers. It's that they have to demonize them and they're using anti-terrorism laws against them because if this trucker rebellion spreads, well, it could spread to France. It already has. It could spread to Israel. It already has. It could spread to America. And oh my God, that'll be the end of lockdownism. So these truckers are the best. So that that's my big question that that to me, as someone who tries to really understand the art of politics, I want to hear it straight from you on the ground. Why? Why did this happen? In other words, look, and I'm guilty of this, too. Most of us Americans like to make fun out of Canadians. And they were the last people that I would have thought this this movement would have germinated from the last people. And we're just all shocked. Like, what? The Canadians? Where? Why? Why Canada and why now? Why why did this happen? Well, um, I think it happened because there was no other official outlet, uh, no other check and balance. In America, like I say, you have some uh, difference of approach amongst your 50 states. Mm. The Supreme Court of your country has ruled against some of the more atrocious lockdown rules. We have not had a single court ruling against the lockdown, not one. We have had, like I say, no, no political um, counterforce. Uh, our colleges of physicians and surgeons have suspended any doctors who even speak against it, let alone that, um, sign an exemption letter for vaccines. So the entire establishment system failed in this country, every part of it. So people just created their own check and balance for truckers. Wow. So you're basically saying as bad as we think it is here, it, it didn't get quite as bad and people didn't feel that desperate just to give it all up, almost a revolutionary style, because their lives were still somewhat working out. And, and they're very good at that in America. They really are both Republicans and Democrats. They know how to finesse it and they know where that line is. And sometimes it's frustrating because sometimes we want them to cross it just to, to wake people up. Um do you think, you know, one of the things a lot of people, I think, in our circle is Blaze Media Rebel News. We've always noticed that in, in this generation, in Western democracies, the system's broken. I mean, it's broken head to toe. Um, and that includes the lack of an opposition. So if you look at every Western democracy, there really is no legitimate, you know, traditionally we would have said a right leaning um, party. Um, but now those terms have really lost a lot of meaning. Uh, a party that represents the people over the elite globalist interests. They're all false flags. And what you're describing about the, the conservative party seems very similar to the Republicans here. Um, although you do have some diversity here, as you mentioned, you have the Florida governor. We do have maybe a stronger movement. But still, you know, there's not much of a movement that fully represents the people embodied in the political process. My question is, given that you are a parliamentary system, so it's a little bit easier to have multiple parties than it is here, where it's literally a two-party monopoly, do you see this p 
possibly upending the entire system and creating a new political party? Well, we've seen opinion polls that suggest that if the truckers were a political party, they would immediately be in first place in Canada. I don't, of course, that's theoretical and speculative. Who would the leader be? What would their policies be? It's easier to, you know, for people to project their hopes onto a blank slate than once a, an actual leader is chosen. But it has proven the moral <clears throat> failure and the lack of pop- public consent and support for the entire rotten establishment from the top to the bottom. Yes, no, I, I definitely think so. And, and and now's the time more than ever. If it's going to happen, it would have to happen now. Um, I know in America, this has really upended ideological lines. Um, the dividing line is not so much right and left anymore. It's between those who understand the system is irremediably broken and corrupt versus those that still just can't envision that. And they, they trust it too much. So, you know, we've had this medical freedom movement with, with a lot of doctors that were traditionally more liberal-leaning, and they've joined us. So this has been very heartening. Um, what sort of lessons would you, uh, you know, based on what you're seeing now, would you have for Americans south of the border? Uh, we're starting our own trucker convoy from California next week. We have a budget b- deadline culminating March 11th in Washington. What sort of lessons could we learn from successes, mistakes made in Ottawa? Well, I think um, the power of the trucker rebellion was that it was trustworthy, blue-collar, authentic people. And and that's enough to punch through the cynical, bottom-paid-for political class. One thing that we've noticed in Canada is that there are entryists, there are undercover cops, there are Ray Epps type feds who are being uh, embedded in it um, to spy on it, of course, but also to be agent provocateurs, to say violent things, to taint the whole movement. We have, um, I mean, there's some pretty obvious federal uh, agents involved with the truckers here. So I guess I would say, be careful because the FBI will do to the truckers what they are doing, you know, what they, what they did, for example, in the kidnapping plot in Michigan or on January 6th. You will see bad faith actors. So beware of that. Keep it peaceful. Um, as much citizen journalism as possible, because the mainstream media now will be alive to this. And they'll try and kill the baby in its cradle because they see how powerful it's being in Canada. It took about two weeks for the left-wing media to get engaged and realize the the size of what had happened before they even deployed in the story. So they will come to kill your trucker convoy um, from the very beginning. That That's a really good lesson because we already did have the primer with the January 6th event. We saw that with the agent provocateurs certainly fanning the flames. I, I was joking around that the, the FBI at their academy, they're going to have to start teaching people how to drive trucks and, and make sure they have a supply of Confederate flags. I love that, by the way. The Confederate flags show up everywhere. Um, and then when I saw it in Canada, I was like, come on. That's just so cheesy. You know, <clears throat> when have you ever yeah. seen them in Canada? You know what, Canada... Yeah, I don't think Canadians understand uh, the U.S. Civil War. We were not part of it. <laughs> we're very far away from the South. I, I, in my entire life, have, I mean, I 
spent a lot of time traveling around my country, and I just have never seen anyone even talk about the Confederacy. It's just, it would be like going to Alabama and asking people if they have a strong opinion on Quebec separatism. You know, it's just, it's, it, <clears throat> so when, when we saw a Confederate flag being flown by someone with a full, uh, you know, who had completely obscured their face, it was pretty obvious that it was an attempt to serve up a media image that the media know about, but just like literally, you, you think a Canadian trucker um, has, a, and, and I'm not even making a comment on the Confederacy one way or the other. I'm just saying the idea that <clears throat> that a trucker in, in Canada, that's their political expression. It's just such an obvious uh, false flag. And um, I mean, it's worth remembering that in Canada for years, uh, the police have actually led the most notorious hate groups. There was something called the Heritage Front in Canada. It was Canada's largest anti-Semitic organization. For years, it was run by a CSIS agent. CSIS is like our, our NSA, our, our CIA. So there's not, a, there's not a lot of racism in Canada. There's not a lot of, like, we, we were spared uh, a lot of the, the trauma that America had for slavery and the Civil War and civil rights. I mean, remember, we were the destination of the Underground Railroad. We, we were part of the British Empire that abolished slavery 200 years ago. So we just never had that problem, thank God, in Canada. So um, we've never, we just really don't have a, a racial issue like, like other c countries might. So there's a real... There's a lot of demand for racism by the political and media class, but not a lot of supply. <laughs> so the government has to go in and create some. Oh, my gosh. That, that, I just found that hilarious. Yeah, because, I mean, Canadians, it's just everyone knows that. That's not how they are, and they never heard of the Confederate flag. Final question here, just how do you see this ending? How do you see it resolving? Do you think that... The, you know, the truckers will have to back down because of the tyranny. Are there ways to counter this? Uh, do you see Trudeau cracking? And and if you could just explain a little bit the process par the, in, in the parliament, uh, obviously here we have set executive elections. So it's, it's set, you know, every four years is absolutely no way possible to change that. It's different, uh, uh, you know, in Ottawa. Is there a way politically that Trudeau falls? Well, um, he was starting to wobble um, because three of his own MPs expressed their reservations about how abusive he was being towards the truckers and how his vaccine mandates were absurd. So he staged a bit of a coup against himself, I guess, but really against his own party and against the people. He doesn't need this Emergencies Act for the army or anything local local police can do whatever's needed he did it to suspend civil liberties to cause a crisis um to get his own mps in line um the socialist party in canada has agreed to back him up so trudeau will not fall uh what has fallen is canada's reputation as a safe trustworthy liberal democracy um i, I have to go pretty soon but let me leave you with this fact trudeau's emergency order like I say, he doesn't need to bring in the army. He, I mean, there's some parking offenses by, you know, there's, on, there's maybe a few hundred truckers left in Ottawa. I mean, it's really, they've already made the point that one, they've had a huge victory. Um, Trudeau doesn't need the army to clear some soldiers to move some trucks away. He just doesn't. Uh, what he wanted that for was to commandeer the banks. That is the major part of his Emergencies Act, to compel any bank 
to give him all private data about his political enemies, anyone who ever donated money to a trucker, anyone who ever spoke out against Trudeau. The banks are authorized and directed to give that information to the government without a warrant, and there is no legal recourse against it. Um, The banks have been granted legal immunity for violating their customers' rights. That's atrocious. But if you look at the emergency order, it applies to American banks doing business in Canada. So there's dozens of U.S. banks who do business in Canada and vice versa, actually. So if you're an American bank and you have an American customer who gave a donation to a trucker, and Trudeau says, give me every piece of information on this person without a search warrant, and you're the CEO of an American bank, are you going to do that? Trudeau says you have to. Trudeau says, don't worry about it. You can't be sued in Canada, but you can be sued in America. You're in America. So someone in Florida gives a hundred bucks to the truckers through their American bank. And Trudeau says, serve that person up to me. I I wouldn't be surprised if friends or family of congressmen have donated to the truckers. You're going to serve up that kind of, you know, surveillance on an American citizen to Trudeau. Um, Canada is now in the Banana Republic League. They're seizing bank accounts. Um, and it may come to the point where American banks and other companies have to sort of unhook from Canada because complying with Trudeau's Banana Republic laws may be impossible for a legally compliant U.S. bank to do. And I would hate to be a U.S. bank that is called before the House Banking Committee in in. Uh, I think there's there's a, a strong possibility, and you would know better than me, that the Republicans are going to take the Congress in the midterm election. I don't know, but it's a possibility. And imagine if you've got all these congressmen who are pro-trucker, anti-Trudeau, anti-woke, and a, and a bunch of banks, including Canadian banks who operate in both countries. Um, I would imagine that some Republicans are going to have some questions for these banks at the House Banking Committee and the Finance Committee and what else, financial, you know, uh, the committees that oversee banks, really. Um, what are you going to do as a bank? You're going to please Trudeau or are you going to, you know, stay in good standing with American law, which is where 90% of your business is? Trudeau has undermined, he's, he's caused a sort of run on the banks. In fact, a few days ago, the websites for the three biggest banks in Canada all crashed at the same time they all went offline and i i checked this personally because i i bank at the royal bank of canada we couldn't get on and i thought was this a hack and i realized no it's everyone taking their cash out of the bank so trudeau doesn't steal it wow wow so this is something the governors here need to get in on now we don't have to wait until the november elections um, I know the Florida governor has raised concerns about maybe rethinking our relationship trade-wise with Australia after they supplanted democracy, and hopefully we'll take a look at the Trudeau regime. This is very, very sagacious advice, very helpful. Uh, thanks so much for what you do. Again, folks, you could follow him at Ezra Levant and at Rebel News Online on Twitter. Please keep us informed and uh, fight for freedom, all right? Right on. Thanks. Will do. Take care. So, folks, that again, that was Ezra Levant. I, I couldn't think of a better person to give us a presentation of what's going on in Canada and why it directly affects us. Um, this is what you need to understand will happen 
if we don't press on, this is my concern, and, I, and, I, and he confirmed my suspicion that the problem is as bad as it is here, you know, just like it was pre-COVID, there's always relatively a little bit more freedom in the U.S., and especially some, some of the states, relatively more than at a given time in the rest of the world. But it's a double-edged sword because the problem is then they let the air out of the balloon, and it looks like especially now they've let the air out of the balloon more in America than they have in Canada, and it gives people this false sense, oh, it's over, let's just move on. But no, it's not over. We are right up to that line. There is nothing stopping them tomorrow, and it doesn't even have to be COVID, another virus. It could be something totally different like we saw with January 6th. And we're seeing the signs of that in Ottawa that are very similar to January 6th, where they'll start um, you know, eliminating freedom of speech, freedom of press. There's a lot of lessons we need to learn from this. There's a lot to unpack there. You know, our support for the police, I said this over and over, I, I, I'm not just joking anymore. I really don't see a purpose to big urban police systems other than rural sheriffs. Because the urban police departments are not going to do what they need to be doing for various reasons. And they could only be used as a tool for a fascist state. Obviously, you want police to have ordered liberty. But if you don't have liberty anymore and you have a tyrannical autocratic government that doesn't abide by a constitution, the basic civil liberties enshrined in the constitution, even human rights, even Nuremberg Code, so then the police could only be used as, as a, an arm of that tyranny and really the main enforcement wing of it. We need to think about that. Um, it was also kind of morbid when I asked him about public opinion. I thought he'd say, oh, the people are just all with the truckers. And it was a little bit more nuanced. I think he's like, they're getting there. But I would say we're probably a lot farther ahead in America. The problem, obviously, is that the GOP is jujitsuing that energy um, and co-opting it and destroying it. But you see how far the mass psychosis formation goes there that despite everything clearly there still is a lot of support for the fascism going on in Canada um, if we don't make red states red again to live up to their potential the governing authorities from county officials the courts the prosecutors the state legislatures and obviously the governors and attorneys general to reflect the culture and politics of the people in these states we will be like Canada very very soon as he mentioned in his view, the one, the major difference is the diversity of states and at least the perception that you have a check and balance in opposition coming from people like the Florida governor, perception of the Texas governor, although he's not really like that. Um, but but there, there's a lot more we need to do. You know, I, I was speaking to my friend yesterday who's in the Wyoming House. Again, the Wyoming GOP, they have a 51 to 7 majority in the House, a 28 to 2 majority in the Senate, and he said they cannot get a single COVID bill, even now, even with Biden polling at 18% in the state of Wyoming, they cannot get a majority. Because I was asking him if you know um, we could do a constitutional amendment there, and he said, first of all, we passed the stupid funnel deadlines so they can't even introduce anything new. And number two, he said, we can't even get a majority, much less two-thirds, even though officially Republicans almost have all the seats. Then we have in West Virginia, we have various bills that will do just basic things for freedom. 
um, HB 2783 is a vaccine medical exemption. So it's not even a ban on mandates. It's a just a very minor bill. 20, HB 2783. We have HB 3197, which is the religious exemption. We have HB 4031, which is a ban on mass mandates. Um, we have HB 4309, which is abroad allowing drugs to treat COVID. HB 4455 is for ivermectin. All of those bills are being blocked by Matthew Rohrbach, who's the chairman, Republican, of the West Virginia House Health and Human Resources Committee. That guy is indistinguishable from Fauci. By the way, his number, if you want to call the Capitol switchboard there in West Virginia, those of you who are there, 304-340-3221. So that's going on there. And, and, and again, we have a ton of news in my stack on the insanity of restrictions. I mean, the Heart Group, a very good um, you know, group of scientists and doctors in, in the UK, they studied the UK versus Scotland, places that had, in, you know, at the same time that Scotland had a mass mandate and right adjacent in the UK, they did not in the schools. And they found that the enhanced restrictions and secondary school mass mandates seems to have had a negative effect overall in weekly cases. There was a reverse correlation, as we see. You know, this is happening everywhere. So the point is, God is giving us a beautiful opportunity. You look at Canada, and as dire as things are here, like, men, thankfully we don't live there. The opportunity we have, given the dynamics of the election coming up, given the huge flip in popular opinion on mandates and masks and COVID fascism in general, given the God-given gift of federalism and Madison's design that we still have where states, if they wanted to overnight, could burn Biden to the ground and make him irrelevant. There is so much we could do. Look at those truckers. They don't have a Daniel Horowitz in uh, in in Canada. They don't have Blaze Media. Rebel is the is the closest thing they have. They don't have as much talk radio as we have. They don't have as strong of a movement you know that we've had with the doctors there's a few of them they're dealing with a country that even pre-covid was much more authoritarian and and they were willing to put it all on the line we don't even have to do that here still as of now you can go especially in the red states and protest this stuff and and vote out all these animals in the primaries and demand and hound your state legislatures your governors on specific policies that they must take. I think, you know, he has a good action item. We need governors to immediately threaten to sanction any bank, that Canadian bank that does business in America, um, that follows Trudeau's orders. Whether they're privacy orders, whether they're seizing funds, uh, doxing donors, these are American donors. This is their opportunity to shine. The Trudeau regime needs to be treated by Republican governors the way they should treat Iran, North, North Korea, or China. Instead, half the Republicans are bought out by China. 
But this is our moment. You see how terrible that mass psychosis formation was. I was very down on the people. But but I, I will say, certainly you have your Karens. Certainly it's better. It's worse in some parts of the country. It's still bad. But generally speaking, from what I see, it really has changed. Even to the extent you see people with masks, it's more they're just scared of conformity, not that they actually believe in it. We could, we could knock this whole thing down, this whole Tower of Babel down in a moment if we actually got on the playing field. But simply voting Republican in the general election ain't going to cut it. And in fact, as we saw last night, it'll be used as a false flag. So, folks, again, I have a really important article on the Scottish data. The Scotland now stopped using their data. Uh, the Glasgow Times cited yours truly. Um, for screenshotting their tables and charts for why they're going to stop doing it. That's how pathetic these people are. Remember, as Ezra just told us, they cannot allow even 0.1% dissent because even 0.1% truth shines light on the forces of evil like a door opened a crack on a dark room. It's a magnifying exponential effect that they cannot afford to have. We have the truth on our side. We have the morality on our side. We have the Constitution and the law on our side. But the question is, do we have our own moxie, our own chutzpah to do the right thing, to act on it? Or are we just going to rest on our laurels and be comfortable? Oh, well, at least we're not having that. Kind of go back to our lives. Okay, you don't have to wear a mask in most places. Kind of do what you want. It ain't over. And precisely now is the time to do it while you still have the physical ability to push back politically. Because if you wait until it gets that bad, well, that was the enduring lesson of John Adams of the founders in the Revolutionary War, why they made such a stink over nothing but a couple of taxes. They were freer than we ever are, much less before COVID, but they knew that if you subject yourself to the arbitrary whims of executive authorities, there's no limit to what they can do. Strike while the iron is hot. Don't wait until it cools off, and then you have no choice. That is the lesson that I would take from Canada. God bless the trucker movement. We're going to be talking about how we bolster that here in America, how we name and shame Republicans. We're going to get more into primaries. We're going to have primary candidates on the show. We're going to have more special whistleblowers on. We're going to give it all to you. I need you to send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives. Please have them rate us uh, on iTunes. Leave a comment. Really helps us get out the word. This is an information war at this point so far, and let's keep it that way. That's how we're going to win. We're going to change hearts and minds, but we got to back that up with action. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till next time, we'll be back same place, same time Monday. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.